book of Proverbs offers pithy bits of wisdom, the sort of thing you might find in a fortune cookie. Incidentally, I received one of those with my Chinese food a few weeks ago that read, you will be visited by a mysterious creature. <laughs> I've never been more disappointed to have a fortune cookie that didn't come true. But I digress. This portion of the book of Proverbs that we're studying this morning comes from a slightly longer uh, section that is sometimes called Ode to a Capable Wife. I know, <laughs> I know. Naturally, given the patriarchal nature of the Bible and the culture that produced it, a phrase like this might make some folks nervous. How, pray tell, do the men who wrote this thing define a capable wife. Well, fortunately, the language has been updated in the most recent translation that we use. Now it's called Ode to a Woman of Strength, which seems a lot more accurate and less condescending. Allegedly, these are the words of King Lemuel's mother, offering him a bit of sage advice in finding a good mother for his own children. And she does not describe a woman who is subservient or meek, as the Apostle Paul later does. On the contrary, she prizes strength, wisdom, dignity, and courage. For what is motherhood if not an act of courage? A reading from the book of Proverbs. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy, her husband too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share in the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the city gates. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Let us pray. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. May they be in keeping with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I can remember the very first time that my mother took me to play mini golf. I was probably six, maybe seven years old at the time. And the only sort of golf that I'd ever seen was on television. I knew nothing of the game except fleeting images that had stuck to my brain while flipping through the channels on TV, vast stretches of green, gentle applause from hushed crowds, serious-looking men in colorful plaid slacks and polo shirts. As a child, it was all very mysterious to me. As a man, doubly so. I stepped up for my first attempt at the tee, my mother standing close behind me as she gently instructed me, placing my hands on the child-sized golf club. And she stepped back a little so that I could take my swing, and that's when it happened. 
Now, like I said, I'd only seen professional golf on television, so rather than give the ball a little tap, as one does when playing mini golf, I wound up like I was going to drive the thing 300 yards. I swung the club up behind me, over my head, and struck my mother right in the face. I'll never forget her cry of shock or the way that her sunglasses sailed through the air and landed somewhere near the 13th hole. I confess that I've not always been the best son. I mean, there was the golfing incident. There were her prized antiques, many of them damaged and smashed by my brother and I pretending to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the living room when we were growing up. There was the 87 Nissan Maxima that I totaled six months after she bought it for me. I'm just glad to see it's in good hands, the previous owner had told her when she handed over the check. And you know, I've always struggled to get Mother's Day right. As a kid, I can remember buying my mom a desk calendar with quotes from Gloria Steinem, one of her favorite authors, except that it was already five months old. And just a few years ago, this is especially embarrassing, I sent her a glass Victorian jewelry box. Like I said, she loves antiques, except that I somehow failed to notice that it was actually in the shape of a coffin. <laughs> to make matters worse, Mother's Day also coincided with her 60th birthday. <laughs> Reminds me of a joke I once heard. The guy says, I got my mother a mug that says, Happy Mother's Day from the world's worst son. I forgot to send it, but it's the thought that counts. <laughs> we can probably all agree that mothers don't get enough credit or gratitude for all that they do. Motherhood is hard, and it's risky, and it's complicated. Unplanned pregnancies, infertility, miscarriages, cultural expectations, troubled relationships with our own mothers, or grief in the wake of their passing all complicate things immensely. And of course, everyone's experience is completely different. For some, Mother's Day is an opportunity for celebration. For others, a day of much needed rest. And for others still, it's a dreadful reminder of past trauma and loss. Whether one is a mother who never planned to be or one who's lost her child or a woman who wanted children but couldn't have them, or one who's watching them leave the nest. We can all recognize that bearing and raising children is hard, holy work. It is an act of creation, and it is an act of courage, even in the best of times. According to this text from Proverbs, a good mother is strong and courageous, Savvy in business and probably smarter than her husband. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard, Lemuel's mother describes her. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Strength and dignity are her clothing. Now, being as this is a patriarchal society that we're talking about, and the man in question is a king, he'll probably still get too much credit for this woman's success. But Lemuel's mother knows enough to give credit where credit is due. 
And her portrait of a strong woman, a strong mother, comes to life in so many different stories of our faith about women who braved countless horrors and made impossible choices for the sake of their families and their children. When Abraham and his wife Sarah were unable to conceive a child, they agree that their slave girl, Hagar, will bear Abraham a son. Not that she has anything to say about it. But when Hagar becomes pregnant, Sarah is jealous and cruel to her. Hagar flees into the desert, penniless, destitute, with no way to care for this child that she has in her womb. And so for the baby's sake, she returns to her masters. In the end, it's for naught. After just a few years, after Sarah has finally birthed a son of her own, Isaac, she casts Hagar and her son Ishmael back into the wilderness, where Hagar struggles to raise him as a homeless, single mother. Ishmael grows to be strong and forms a nation of his own, thanks to his mother's act of courage. Rahab is an innkeeper in the ancient city of Jericho, a successful businesswoman. She has little notion that an army of Israelites are about to invade the city, slaughtering everyone within its walls. But when Israel sends spies into Jericho for reconnaissance, they stay at Rahab's little establishment. And being a keen listener and trader of local gossip, she soon learns of their plans to invade. And so Rahab cuts a deal with these men to remain silent that her family might be spared when the city is taken. That's a hard burden to bear, but she does it for her son, Boaz, who would later marry a woman named Ruth, the great-grandmother of King David, a bloodline that leads all the way to Jesus of Nazareth thanks to Rahab's acts of courage. Mary, mother of Jesus, lived amongst a defeated people. Occupied by the Romans, they are powerless, and Mary is more powerless than most. Just a young girl from a small town in the middle of nowhere, with no real status or wealth or prospects. She finds herself pregnant. Had her fiancé Joseph wanted to, he could have stoned her to death. He chooses to marry her instead, well, because... He's a pretty stand-up guy. I also wonder, in the words of daytime television host Maury Povich, if Joseph maybe is the father. But for Mary, things keep on getting harder. She journeys to Bethlehem on a donkey, pregnant, where she gives birth to Jesus in a dank cave on a bed of straw. As her son gets older, he becomes more defiant, as children do. They have a falling out in Nazareth over his decision to leave the family carpentry business and wander the land as an itinerant preacher. Hardly any woman's dream for her child. And by the time they reconcile, Mary has to watch him get crucified. But had it not been for Mary's bravery as a young girl, Jesus would never have even lived. We owe the entirety of our faith, of our church, to her acts of courage. These women, Hagar, Rahab, and Mary, among countless others named and nameless, 
embody the words of this text. Strength and dignity are their clothing. Being a mother is hard even in the best of times, and those were not the best of times. And friends, these are not the best of times either. I saw a photograph last week of an infant cradled on the floor of a McDonald's kitchen while its mother was trying to earn money to pay the bills. For all that folks tend to care about children in this country, we don't do much to care for them. Amidst the rising cost of childcare and everything else, say nothing of the rampant gun violence, the political instability, and the climate crisis, the very idea of motherhood has become enormously complicated. When more than half of young adults are still living with their parents, when reproductive rights are in question, when young couples are afraid to bring children into a society that feels like it's teetering on the edge, the decision to even become a mother is a bold act of courage. And so is the decision not to. For those of us who already have children, it's a hard time to raise them. Most of our kids are screen addicted in one fashion or another. And schools have become battlegrounds both political and literal, a hot spot in the culture wars and the target of unhinged gunmen. High school across the street, Glenbard West, suffered two bomb threats and an active shooter threat in the last two weeks. There have been more mass shootings in America this year than days in the year, too many of them claiming the lives of children. Raising children today is an act of courage. Looking back at those women in the Bible that I just talked about, it's important to recognize the moral ambiguity of their stories. These women weren't perfect or blameless, but they tried. Hagar lived in an abusive environment and decided to stay there as long as she could so that her son would at least have food on the table. Was that the right thing to do? Rahab kept quiet about the invasion of Jericho, leaving the entire city unprepared and defenseless so that her own family would be spared. Was that the right thing to do? Mary, little more than a child herself, decided to carry the baby in her womb to term. And given her social context, she risked her life to do it, but is that the right thing for every young woman that finds herself unexpectedly pre pregnant? What is the right thing to do in any of these circumstances or the countless other situations that might unfold in a woman's life? What is the right thing to do? These questions have no easy answers, nor do the ones that plague us today. Should the state dictate a woman's reproductive rights when it does nothing to offer child care or health care? Should our kids pursue a career in art or music if an artificial intelligence is going to take those jobs in a few years? How long should we let our kids live at home as the cost of rent becomes increasingly unaffordable? There are no easy answers to these questions. Strength and dignity are her clothing. 
We all have to navigate this hard world in our own way. And every mother, every woman has to answer these questions for herself. No one else can answer them for her. And no matter what the answer is, it requires an act of courage. It always has. We bought our youngest son, Levi, a smartwatch last week as a safety precaution, should we ever get separated. With the watch, he can call us, which he frequently does, and we can track him via GPS. Well, sure enough, uh, Levi only had the thing for two days before he completely cracked the screen. What happened? I asked him, a bit incredulous. It's not what you think, he replies. I wasn't doing anything I wasn't supposed to be doing. Well, what were you doing? Well, you see, he tells me, I had the watch on my head like this. And it slipped, and it fell on the floor, and it cracked. I try not to laugh at the absurdity of it. I have to be serious now. And why was the watch on your head? Well, because it was too tight on my wrist, obviously, he says, as if I'm the crazy one here. <laughs> my wife, Angela, was smart enough to buy the insurance plan. She looks well to the ways of her household. As the scripture says, in truth, she is a wonderful mother, and I don't know what I would do without her. I certainly couldn't raise these boys on my own. But I see her worry, her fear for them. I saw the courage she displayed when she dropped them off at daycare for the first time, leaving them in someone else's hands. When our oldest reported that another student said he was bringing a gun to school, and she had to manage that situation in conversation with the principal. When our kids get sick and she worries that it might be something more serious. When you're a mother, some things break that can't be fixed or replaced. And I know I'll see her bravery on display again when our boys finally leave the nest and she waves goodbye as my own mother did when I moved to Illinois almost 20 years ago. Because that's what good mothers do. They make impossible choices for the sake of their children. And so may we honor the women who make hard choices in a hard world, because it is their acts of courage that make the whole world turn. Amen.